Now, last week, we talked about faithfulness. Remember, we talked about building your house either on the rock or on the sand and what that means and what that looks like. And today, we're going to go the next step of sharing your faith, of putting that faith that you have, that building your house on the rock, uh, into action. Our first scripture this morning to start with, of course, is Matthew 28, right at the end of Matthew, of course, the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus told his apostles, Here's, I'm going away, here's what I want you to do. Then over in Acts, Luke records something else he told them along the same vein in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So this morning we're going to talk some about going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. I'm going to take you on a little trip to Las Vegas, Nevada. I guess we could call that the ends of the earth. As kind of we talked about, uh, I've been in business for many years with my brother Steve, who's known as Spud, and I'm known as Tater. And we started in the late 90s. We were auto parts sales, repaired cars, repaired electrical parts, and we started selling on the internet. And uh, it... It grew, we had uh, some success, and it grew and grew, and we knew that we needed some, some help from some experts about how to uh, put your listings on eBay and on Amazon and, and the website and bringing all the, the way to sell on the internet together. And we found a company that helps companies like ours do that, and its name was Channel Advisor. And they would have a convention each year to where they would bring a lot of sellers like us together with a lot of vendors that help with sales on the internet and kind of have a meeting of the minds. They would have various speakers. And uh, this company is like a hub to let you do all of your listings. So there's a little nutshell about selling on the internet. And so I would go to this convention nearly every year. One year, we were in Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, which is one of their, their bigger hotels. And the theme that morning was how to increase your sales on the internet. So the president of this channel advisor company introduced the speaker that was going to be our keynote speaker that morning. His name was Gary Vanderchuk, and he was a wine seller on 
the internet. Scott introduced him and he said, this is going to be one of the most inspiring and motivating talks that you're going to hear this weekend at this convention. But I need to tell you one thing, his talk will contain profanity. He likes to keep it real, and this is the, the way that he rolls. And so I thought, okay, let's see how this goes. So uh, he got up, he started talking, he dropped the first F-bomb, then the second, then on the third one, I decided I'd had enough of this. I didn't pay money to come out here. It didn't, you've heard the old saying, that people, you know, they can't hear you because of who you are or what you're saying. I just uh, got up, uh, ruffled, rustled my papers. I made a little bit of a scene and uh, got, got up, walked out of the session. At lunch, a lady that was a seller from California sat down and ate with her. She said, wow, that was a great talk. What did you think? And I said, well, I missed it. And I thought that was probably be about the end of that. Later that night, it was the opening reception for this convention. And they have drinks and hors d'oeuvres. And I thought, well, I'll go down there and, and get some chicken wings and drink a Coke. If in Las Vegas, if you don't gamble or drink, there's not a whole lot else left to do. Uh, and so I thought I'd walk around the ground. So I went down, I was eating some chip, chicken wings, and there was a little stir across the way. There's about a thousand people at this convention. And that Scott Wingo, the president of Channel Advisor, was coming in the crowd, and people were shaking his hand and greeting him. And I thought, wow, I'll get down here and I'll shake hands with Scott Wingo and get to talk to him. What are the chances? That's a that's a casino joke. What are, what are the chances? Y'all wouldn't know about that being in Bristol here. You wouldn't know about casinos. That was a joke, too. <laughs> I maneuvered down to the handshake zone, come up, shook hands with Scott, and he said, are you enjoying the convention? I said, yes, it's a great convention, but that speaker you had this morning wasn't up to the high standards of your company. He said, you must be talking about Gary. He said, really, he, he used less profanity in this talk than he usually does. We told him to tone it down a little bit. I said, well, his toned down version was not up to the high standards of your company. Then Scott just kind of looked at me and then he went on and shook, shook the next hand. And I thought it was over, this whole episode about this was over, but I was incorrect. I went back to my hotel room and went to bed about 9 o'clock that night. You may think that's early, but that's 12 o'clock here, and I was still on East Tennessee at the time, so went to bed. The next morning, I got, uh, got up, we went to hear the, the keynote speaker that morning is going to be the CEO of Google. It's going to tell us what all's going on new with Google for the year. And I sat down next to a friend who's also an internet seller, and generally we would get to 
together at these conferences and and he sells the same type parts that we sell his his name is Chris so I sit down there and we're getting ready for the Google man to come speak and Chris looks at me and he said uh, I saw you leave during the wine cellars talk yesterday was it because of your religion and I looked at Chris and I said yes it's because I'm a Christian and I didn't need to sit through that and and listen to that and I can't believe that a company this big would have someone make a talk that would be like that it was at that Chris looked at me and he said he's a really straight talker this Chris he said Mike I, ex I respect you for standing up for your principles but man you really go overboard he said he said you live up there in East Tennessee in your little bubble with your Christian friends and you just don't understand how the rest of the world operates and I was taken back a little bit and uh, I asked him a question I said do you talk like that with all your employees you know he said I talk like that with everyone except for my daughter and you he said this is just the way it is out in the world so I asked him a que another question I said do you believe Chris in Jesus Christ he said no I don't said I believe there are many ways to heaven if there is a heaven and that I live a morally good life I treat people as well as I can yeah I've messed up some but I do more good than not and I think if you live like that in the end everything's gonna work out for you okay we're gonna leave Las Vegas we're gonna stop let's talk about this view for a minute it sounds good it sounds like 2022 you live your life I'll live mine and everything will work out just great in the end for all of us I've done some bad things I'm not a bad person though I've done more good than bad I haven't killed anyone I'm not Hitler I'm not Bin Laden I'm not Putin I think I'll be just fine this is a very popular view in a large percentage of people in America today and it's a lie you remember in the Garden of Eden when Satan disguised as a serpent asked Eve did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden Satan hasn't changed his tactics he's changed the questions up a little bit can Jesus really be the only way to heaven did he really say that isn't that being non-inclusive isn't that being judgmental Jesus was a great teacher but he can't be the only teacher can everybody else be wrong in the Gospel of John Jesus made himself exclusive with one statement John 14 6 I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me 
Now, if we believe in Jesus, we also have to believe Jesus. When Jesus says he is the only way, any other view would be mistaken. There's a famous quote by C.S. Lewis, who is a contemporary Christian author from the 40s and 50s, who started out an atheist, and in his book, Mere Christianity, he wrote this, and y'all may be familiar with it. A man who was merely a man and said the sorts of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him, and you can kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So with that, let me ask you, what is the gospel? Paul points out one of the most succinct definitions, 1 Corinthians 15, 3. He puts it in a nutshell. For I received, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel message. That's the only one. Okay. We're going back to Las Vegas. The Google speaker had been introduced, and he was at the podium. Mr. Google told us of many new things that were coming that year. I guess the new things worked out because I didn't hear a one of them. From what I understand, Google's still in business, so it must have done okay. But there was an unseen battle taking place at my table. In one corner, God was telling me, go for it. Now's the time to share the gospel with Chris. The door's open. In the other corner, Satan was telling me these things. I wrote them down. You're not perfect. Who are you to be telling this guy how to live? Tater, you're not up for this. Your Bible knowledge is lacking. You don't know enough scriptures. You can't answer all of his questions. You need a real preacher to handle this, someone who's been to school. Number three, we're in the middle of this conference about business now. Let's stay on task. You've talked enough about this today. You don't want to push him away. There will be other better opportunities down the road. It's best to wait. Let's stop right there. Anytime you have an opportunity to share the gospel, alarm bells start ringing in hell. 
And Satan does everything he can to distract you with these questions and others. But Satan is no match for our God, and Satan is no match for the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 6, Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes, and he's still scheming. Now, there's going to be a point when you're faced with this spiritual battle where you either go forward with Jesus and the gospel or you pull back. You'll either listen to the Holy Spirit or you'll listen to Satan. Don't pull back. And sadly, I must report to you that there have been times I have pulled back, but not that day. That day, God won. I prayed for the words and the guts to move forward, prayed for the Holy Spirit. My palms were sweaty, I could feel my heart pounding, and butterflies were in my stomach. The Google guy finished, and Chris was getting up to leave, headed for the next workshop class when I grabbed his arm. I said, Chris, if you'll give me two minutes, I can tell you what Jesus means to me, what he can mean to you, I can tell you the gospel message. Chris said, two minutes? I said, yeah, two minutes. He said, okay, you got two minutes. So I started drawing, and I drew this picture, or one like it. Now let me stop right here and let you know, back next to the Tater book table, my wife Karen's going to have a little booth set up to sell some of my fine artwork after service. I drew this picture, got my pointer going here, us and God. And I said, Chris, this is God. He's holy, he's perfect, and he's on one side, we're on the other side, and there's a great gulf between us and God, and it's because of our sin. I said, in the, in the Bible, in the scriptures, there's a verse that talks about this. It's Romans 3.23. says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever cheated? Have you ever stolen anything? And Chris said, well, sure, everybody's told a little lie. I said, yes, you have, and I have too. And we're blemished. We're, we're, we're sinners when we do that. And that separates us from a holy God. God in heaven can't stand anything that's not perfect, pure, and holy, and we are not. Romans 6.23 then says, okay, we've all sinned. So the scripture said, you get paid, when you go to work, you get paid a wage for your sin. Our wages is death. The wages of sin is death. And no matter what good we do, we can't do enough good to be able to bridge this gulf between us and God. Even if I'd only sinned one time, I can't make that jump over to God. But God has made a way 
to where we can make that jump or we can even walk across. And his name is Jesus Christ. And he came, there's scripture in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, he gave his own one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came, he lived a sinless life, so he was the only one who's qualified to pay our sin debt so that we can be reconciled to God. And so you might ask, well, what do I need to do to, to have this eternal life? And I said, well, in Acts, another scripture, Acts 2.38, Peter had just preached the sermon about Jesus. The people said, what do we need to do? And he said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. You can be forgiven and restore the relationship with God, or you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The, the bottom sentence is not in the scripture. That was my addition to that. And I said, you believe in Jesus, you confess that you believe in Jesus, and you're baptized, you're buried with him in baptism, and you're a Christian, you've crossed over from death to life. See, we made it, we made it across. See, we're sad here, now we're happy, and we're with God. I go through this whole thing, and I'm expecting at the end of this that Chris is going to say, all right, Tater, you've convinced me. There are four swimming pools here at Mandalay Bay. We can pick one out, and you can go baptize me right now. But he didn't say that. He looked at me, and he said, that took two minutes and 40 seconds. He took my fine artwork, and he said, this is interesting. I'm going to take this and look at it later. But the story isn't over. Chris still is not a Christian. Later I sent him a Bible. I talked to him about some more key verses. I told him to read the Gospel of John first to get a feel for who Jesus is, and then the other Gospels to get more of a picture of what he did for us. And the last conversation that I had with him, he said, you know, I just can't get over the whatever I need to do to believe. I, I, need, I need it to be more real. I need to know for sure that it's real. I, I need a voice. I need something. And I said, Chris, probably you're not going to get a voice. It's what we Christians call stepping out on faith. First you believe, then the Holy Spirit comes and then you're able to grow in Christ. And I said, most of the time, it's not going to be a lightning bolt experience. I think he's going to make it. I think someday he's going to be. He, sent, uh, he and his wife sent, his, uh, sent their daughter to Christian school, and she's coming home talking about Jesus. I think she may be the key to his conversion. That last time I talked to him, I brought up an analogy that probably you've not heard used in church. It's the Joe Namath analogy. What's Joe Namath famous for? He won the 69 Super Bowl, but what did he say before he won it that week? He said, I guarantee it, didn't he? Well, that's Joe Namath. That's worldly. 
but that's something that he could relate to. I said, Jesus is the only person that's ever said, listen, I'm here, I'm going to die, I'm going to be lifted up, and the Son of Man is going to give his life for many. I'm going to die, and on the third day I'm going to rise again. And then he backed it up. And if somebody can call their death, and they can call their resurrection, I'm with them. I'm with them. It, 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 I, don't, I don't need to hear any, anything else. And there, the scriptures say there were only over 500 witnesses that saw Jesus after he rose. So now, <clears throat> that's my story of what happened in Las Vegas. Let's look at your story. Galatians 3.26, Paul writes, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have, been, have clothed yourself with Christ. Now we are clothed with Christ. And Jesus is the bridge to reconcile us to God. Then we're called to be the bridge to bring others to Christ. To tell them the story. I didn't tell this story this morning to be bragging on myself and what great things I did in Las Vegas because I didn't. If you go away thinking that, I've failed this morning with my message. I told you all this this, mo this morning to show you that if a country bumpkin that talks as slow as I do can do this, I know you can too. The good news isn't complicated. Sin separates us from God. We can't pay the debt. Jesus came and paid the debt on the cross, and then he rose again from the grave to seal the deal. It's that simple. You can do this. It's four scriptures, and you, th this group probably already knows these four scriptures. Plus the simple drawing, plus the Holy Spirit, plus you stepping out on faith can equal life for someone you know. Now, the one thing you need to keep in mind, you've got to expect Satan to try to stop you. All these questions of doubt are going to pop into your mind that you're not enough, but you are enough with the Holy Spirit working inside you. He's going to try every trick, but he's no match for our God, and he's no match for the Holy Spirit. In 1 Peter, Peter wrote, Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have. And in 2 Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. We're going to end this morning with one more scripture. This one is from Mark 10:21. It's when who we like to call the rich young ruler came up and asked Jesus, What do I need to do to have eternal life? Jesus looked at him and loved him, and he said, One thing you lack, go sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. A lot of times we skim over that first part, that first sentence. Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's what we need to do. We need to look at our friend you need to look at your friend and love them.
Tell your friend your story. Tell them how you came to faith in Christ and how much he means to you. Tell your friend what Christ did for them. You may even want to make a drawing, maybe a drawing like this one on a napkin or on the back of an internet sales paper to help them understand. You'll pray for the words and the guts to move forward for the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to tell you right now, your palms will be sweaty, your heart will be pounding, and there'll be butterflies in your stomach. But you will bring the words of life to your friend, the good news about Jesus Christ. And you're going to be doing this because you love them. And if you do it from a position of love, you're not pushing them away. You're inviting them in to the family of God. You're not being exclusive. You're being inclusive. Now, in the back, next to the Tater books, there's going to be some of these papers that I'd like for y'all to take. And it's got the scriptures on there without my fine artwork that you can take and practice. Go home and practice. Uh, if you're married, practice on your spouse. And a couple of times of practice and you'll be ready for whenever the opportunity might present itself for you to personally share the gospel of Jesus Christ.